All right, I'm sitting with a couple good friends. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Brian. I'm Chris. And who are you? Um. Let's. <laughs> I'm sitting with my two friends, the two guys who started more than with me. This is Brian and Chris. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's be cheesy. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Four Cornelius again. I'm glad that you're joining us. This is another podcast on wholeness. We're going to look at what it means to live life to the full, what wholeness looks like. Try to explore that a little bit because I think it's confusing. I talk a little bit about relationships and where people fit in our understanding of wholeness. I got a chance to interview quite a few friends and I want to introduce you to them. So we'll start there and then go into talking about what wholeness looks like in their eyes. I'm sitting with my friend Adam. Adam, why don't you, for someone who doesn't know you, why don't you give us like a 30 second, one minute, who are you? Yeah, my name is Adam Gustine. I work for the Evangelical Covenant Church uh, in the Love, Mercy, Do Justice mission priority. So primarily what I do is think about community development in under-resourced neighborhoods and help churches and nonprofits be more impactful in their communities. So my name is Eric Schultze. Uh, my wife and I moved down to Louisville about two years ago now. Um, we... Uh, we're kind of treating Louisville as a as kind of a starting block. We really want to eventually move overseas. All right, I'm sitting here with the other guys who started more than with me. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Brian. And I'm Chris. If somebody doesn't know who you are, tell me like two, three, four facts about who you are. I am a father, I am a husband, um, and I actually swam with Olympians. Look at that. A long time ago. Real long time ago. <laughs> True. I am a uh, dad, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I am a fan of hip hop, the older stuff, because the new stuff's not really good. And, uh, I'm a little weird, a little scatterbrained. And before I take us down a rabbit hole, I'll stop there. Good job. This idea of exploring wholeness comes really out of John 10.10. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but he has come that we might have life and life to the full, or life abundantly. When I was younger, I thought that life to the full meant full of all the awesome things that I wanted. And um, it's looked different than that. It's been full of all kinds of emotion and full of all kinds of, honestly, tragedy and hardship. And honestly, more than ever in my life, I can say my life is full of meaning. That's what's got me really searching into what wholeness looks like. In a, in a moment, I want to play you what my friends said as I asked them what wholeness looks like. But first, let me tell you, Dictionary.com describes being whole as this, comprising the full quantity, amount, extent, and number. And, and so we're looking at and exploring what wholeness is and what community has to do with that. So 
for the next little while, we're going to be exploring as a community what it looks like to be whole. And, and like when Jesus says that he's come to give life to the full, what might that look like? And so I'm wondering, when you hear that, just what's kind of your immediate response? It's not very immediate if I wait a long time, is it? It'll get edited out. <laughs> um, yeah, when I think about wholeness, I think about some of the key texts in Scripture that describe God's shalom sort of fully present in a place. Isaiah 65 is a good example there's examples of this in Zechariah. There's examples of this in Revelation. And one of those themes that sort of teases all that together is, is that wholeness is often described as, as new creation, that God is going to recreate things according to his original intention. And so you have this new creation theme that runs all the way through Scripture, but then Paul in 2 Corinthians would say that if you're in Christ, that you are an expression of that new creation. And so, to me, when I think about wholeness, I think about the experience of life as God intended, where the brokenness both of sin and the brokenness of the world and the way that that impacts us is increasingly mediated by this new life in Jesus. And so, I think that's a pretty comprehensive picture, obviously, as the word wholeness would suggest. And so, uh, the word that, that I keep coming back to that is a in my mind, a great corollary with that is this idea of flourishing. Can I flourish as an image bearer of God created with unique design for particular purposes, all of which are good and reflect sort of the creative um, identity of the one who made us? Those were Adam's words, and I think you can hear why he is dear to me. And here's, here's the words that Eric, another good friend of mine, had to say on wholeness. When I first started thinking about wholeness, um, my first jump was to something like completeness. And, um, you know, this idea of being whole means you've um, you've reached something and you know from there I mean once you've reached it you're there and there's really nowhere else to go you know almost treating it like this old idea of perfection you know it's it is the end goal in sight with you know nothing else really beyond that just being whole Eric gives words to what a lot of us feel when it comes to wholeness, we think of uh, this perfection. We think of something that we can achieve, something that we can accomplish. We roll up our sleeves as if we can do it on our own. And if you've ever tried that for long, you know that it, it leaves you feeling pretty hollow, pretty incomplete, and really not sure what to do about God in the midst of all this. We're going to have an imperfect view of God until, you know, until we actually see him. So... You know, for the you could argue that you're not really going to be whole in that regard until you know you meet God. And so, what are you really moving? You know, what are you really trying to achieve in this life? Looking at kind of how I treated the church 
and how I thought about the church and God throughout you know, throughout my life, through high school and early college. Um, and then looking at where I am today, you know, I see, I see huge progress in that. And a subjective view of my progress, <laughs> a little biased there, but I, you know, I think, I think that I've made progress in that regard. Um, and so for me, I've, I, th I would consider that I've become a more, more whole and more complete and more full because I've made that progress. I think for me, um, wholeness is just a, a place where I am, I'm good with where I'm at. Like realizing that I grew up so much of my life thinking that I had to do the right equation um, to get into heaven or for God to love me. Um, and just in the last little bit of time of my life, I've realized, like, regardless of what I do, that Jesus died for, for my sins, and that that is what makes me whole, not anything I can do. Um, and so it actually has, has taken the, the weight and the pressure off of me uh, to try and do stuff on my own or be that person that I never accomplished being um, and just allowing God to be God and take care of it for me and, and carry that weight for me so that I can be what he created me to be. I think for me, it's just real being happy with what you have and in the moment you're in. You know, I think a lot of us look at jobs, money, possessions, whatever. And when you go through stretches where all of that's kind of gone, you have to really figure out where happiness lies. So I've found for me in the last two years where happiness and wholeness and fullness, I guess, lies in, you know, just being with Jovi, the six-year-old, or hanging out with friends or stuff like that. Like, I don't live by possessions and things like that anymore. So I think... The 21-year-old me and the 35-year-old me think drastically different about the world today. Yeah, I was, I was just telling somebody, I think the, like, young pastor Matt would make fun of who I am today. And yet, my life feels much more full today. Yeah, we yeah. found fullness in weird places, too. Like, you know, making cupcakes with a six-year-old can be pretty daunting, Especially with the mess you got to clean up afterwards, but in that process, life is full in that moment. Right. And it's easy things, you know. Yeah, I think for me, wholeness is that idea of in moments where I had a bunch of projects going on and, and life was really hectic and, and busy. Um, I just had the opportunity to, to sit down and eat grapes with my two-year-old on the kitchen floor. And the world um, just came to a stop and nothing else really mattered. And it was in that moment that I realized that this is what life is about and this is these are the moments that make the most sense. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting is I think I would have defined life to the full and this wholeness, fullness stuff 
before I would have defined it like me and Jesus, you know, and it's so much more relational the older I get. Just today in, in church, worship's happening, and I think it was during like the announcements offering kind of time, uh, Anna wanted to just crawl up on my lap, and and then the next song starts, and I feel just like like me, like more like me with her on my lap than if she wasn't, you know? And that, that's kind of a weird feeling for me, realizing like, oh, I feel more whole like when my whole family's together, when there's this like relational component to that. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> for you guys, uh, Chris, you were really hinting at that, like talking about with your friends, with your daughter Jovi, you were talking about with Gideon. Um, what, what role does relationships play in that for you guys? I mean, for me, relationships are pretty much top of the list, you know. <clears throat> Without that, like, life's pretty boring, I guess. So I rely on, I don't know if it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but I have, like, five, six, seven people that are in a close circle that I can really say whatever to. I can, I guess, vent, say things I probably wouldn't say to other people. And then, you know, of course, we all got friends outside of that circle that you can hang with and do things with. But for me, relationships are a priority just because I have to have a way to release some things and, and talk some things out. Because unfortunately, I'm one of those people who talk things out. That's how I process. So uh, it's not really easy to do to yourself. And you can't really talk those things out with a six-year-old. So, you know, it's pretty important for me. I would say relationships over the last four or five years for my wife and I have have become it. Like that is that is where we feel the best. That is where we feel the most connected. Um, even though it feeds our personalities or drains our personalities, depending on which one. My wife's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. So. For her, relationships are, are fantastic, and she wants to be around everybody. And I'm more the, I want to be around four or five people, and then I need to go home and be by myself. But at the same time, I've realized, regardless, I need to be around people, and I need to have those relationships, because it's those relationships that make me better, make me um, push through um, allow me to share the weight of life versus trying to just put my head down and pack everything in and keep going. Both of you guys, knowing your stories, have been hurt. You know, and I know people who listen who either by wiring like are extreme introverts or have some other challenges where, or, or personality, not necessarily even challenges, where relationships are just not the highest priority or through pain like relational pain where they were close to people and those people hurt them or that relationship fell apart and now they're finding themselves gun shy Uh, i know some of the people who listen are in that spot and i know both of you have walked through some pretty severe relational pain and yet are now people who are pursuing relationships and even over the last couple years have become dear friends of mine um, post some of the relational pain. Not that you have to go through all your, your pain, but how is it, like, 
How was it that you made that transition? And what would you have to say to somebody who's not sure if pursuing wholeness through having healthier or deeper relationships sounds that good? I think for me, the the first thing that comes to mind that I would say to somebody is pulling away is okay. Um, one of the the most bizarre things that a friend of mine told me when I was in college uh, that I've kind of held close to me is uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say to guard someone else's heart. Hmm. It says guard your own heart. And like it, it was in a very pivotal point in a relationship, actually, um, that, that he shared that with me. But that's something that I've always just kept close of like there there have been moments in relationships where I've had to pull back and go I need to take care of me or I need to take care of or we need to take care of us um, and those moments are okay uh, because they're moments and it, it's okay to camp out there for a little bit but it's not okay to live there and so do what you need to do to to pull back and protect you so that you can go after another relationship the other thing I would say is relationships are always going to hurt um, because you're always putting yourself out there. You're always making yourself vulnerable and there's always a risk that you're going to get hurt. Um, but again, if you're back to, to what I first said, of if you're guarding your heart and, and you're a little uneasy going into that, that's okay. But allow yourself to go out further and further and further. Um, and, and eventually, I won't say it happens naturally, uh, but, but I think eventually it just gets easy of you just jump all in because it's either going to work or it's not. Um, and, and that's honestly how the first date of my wife and I started is I could take you right back to the mile marker on I-95 in North Carolina where she goes, this is my past, here it is, all of it, and you can either deal with it and we can continue on this date or you can turn around and we can go home because there's no point in wasting each other's time. And that's kind of been our mantra for, for relationships of like, here's who we are. Here's what we got. Like, we're here. Um, you can take it and accept it. Or like, if you're not in in the same way, then there's no point in wasting each other's time. I think for me, it was never a point of like, when did relationships become important? Like, I've always had a close group of friends. Now that close group has changed over the last 10 years, but you know, some of those childhood friends that we have since we were kids, man, those are still super, super close dudes to me. And so for me going through my mess, like I remember just being depressed and I was going to counseling two days a week and anxiety issues and just dealing with court systems and stuff and it messed me up but I constantly had friends showing up at my house and and being encouragement and then it didn't take long like three or four months I finally started coming out of that now what Brian said if you want to rewind that that's everything that he said to me over the past few years (laughs) because I'm not very good at um well I'm better now I wasn't very good at learning lessons so I would just get back into the same vicious <laughs> cycle. And then I would tell him, and he would be like, because you're stupid. And then he would go through, you know, 
the whole spiel that he just said. So listening to that was like listening to the last few years of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's where... I don't think relations, relationships ever just became important. I think they were always just right there. And, you know, even to this day, you know, some of the hardcore friends that I have, those guys that send you text messages you would never share with anybody else that are mean and, you know, fun, but they're, they're the guys that will text me every once in a while and just say, hey, thinking about you, if you need anything, I'm here, you know it, type deal. If you listen to the last podcast, I interviewed two friends, Scott and Dave. And in the middle of it, we talked about how we became friends once we identified with each other's struggle. And I asked them for advice that they would give to people who struggle with relationships. And the reason is, is really clear, and, and I want to be uh, honest about this. There's some people in my life that I deeply care about who have been really hurt to the point of like paralysis by others. They, they don't know how to reach out. They don't want to reach out. Um, they're hurt. They're beat up. And, and I feel sensitive to them. And I feel like God's healing and God's wholeness is offered to them as well. But as they are, I also know that some people, uh, like one of my sons, have real relational challenges. And um, that's just wired into his brain. That's just in the way that he has developed. And I believe God meets him too. So I've, I've asked these friends... Uh, just what advice and what piece of like comfort do you offer to those who relationships aren't the easiest thing in the world? And I just want to play back Scott and Dave's answer because I think it was very meaningful. I think of how we became friends, how I first decided to trust you guys. I became friends to your like brokenness, to like pain in your life. Then that guy's a terrible leader. <laughs> that's, why you were, that's, that's what you were drawn into. Yeah, I was like, I can outlead him. I've got to be friends. But in a very real way, like, there was like, oh, there's where, like, healing comes in and hope comes in and life comes in. I can identify with that. But then I think of my friends who relationships are hard. And working up the courage to talk to somebody is hard, but essential for wholeness but God's grace meets you even in like where you are so for somebody who really like has a lot of pain around that or just has um, certain challenges that make relationships much more difficult than for others do you guys have any words for them because I don't want this to come across at all as like oh it's easy just be best buddies with everybody I I don't want to oversimplify that really challenging piece for people that's really, it's a good word. I, I think my own life is an example of, um, I spent a good two solid years in my teens being spoken to by nobody in my school. Now you guys know me now. As somebody who thrives off of relationship, out of affirmation, out of expressions of love, and to not have received that, to be ignored for two years, put me into a place where I didn't know how to step out of myself and connect with other people. Um, basically, what it, it took for me was having someone that drew it out of me. Uh, so putting myself in a place where I know relationship is important. Uh, if you're not a relational person, and maybe you're an introvert, or maybe you're maybe you're you're 
someone who sits behind a computer screen all day, maybe you're an engineer, that's a mind I don't understand. Uh, often, uh, uh, quite a few of my friends are engineers, and, and they are not nearly as relational as I am. But there's something about the way we connect that's that's beyond like my extrovertedness or their introvertedness. It's uh, putting yourself, knowing that it's important, is different than your ability to freely walk around and say hi to everybody. Uh, so, so I would just encourage someone who doesn't have that sort of natural ability or desire to just put yourself in that place because it is actually essential to who we are as human beings. We were created for one another. Um, and absence of another human presence of love is loneliness, which is something that is devastating to our condition as humans. So I would just say put yourself in a position where you can be around someone who can bring that life out of you a little bit. tread lightly in like offering any sort of prescription um, I the only thing I can sort of humbly say is if, if connecting is hard whether that's because of wounds that have been inflicted or just personality differences maybe it's culture and difference um, I think it's so important for us to offer to one another the gift of assuming that that person is just as messed up and just as insecure as you are regardless of what they project hmm. so when I look at I mean because well, there are a lot of people that make me feel insecure and and it, I don't think it's just self-comforting to my narcissism that I look at people who make me feel insecure and I say oh I know they're really insecure I think it's more than that. I think it's, I want to take the posture of, I am aware, I don't want to assume that you have it all together or that you are completely unlike me. I want to offer you the gift of assuming that there's some way in which we are the same. And then I think when we do that, it makes it a lot easier to just, I mean, basically all connections sort of stems from conversation. So just to be present in small moments and in simple words. That's good. How does that play into you experiencing more of wholeness? I mean, I, I, I guess it just means for me, that's really all you need, right? Like, for me in life, I really don't need money and I don't need things. possession stuff. Like if I got friends that will be there for me when things really are terrible or, you know, bring me back down when my head got too big, I'm good. Like, that's all I need. Thanks for listening to this episode of For Cornelius. Thanks to my friends for sharing with us. Thanks for putting up with my cold and my nasal sound here. Uh, The next two episodes that we have coming, I'm very excited about. So make sure that you're coming back. Every other week, we're posting this. Next week, we have a dadhood podcast coming out. There's a lot of excitement going on. Enjoy your week and live life to the full.